You are listening to Mommying While Muslim Podcast, where hosts Uzma and Zeba share their personal stories of mommying in a post-9-11 world. This podcast is designed with the Muslim American mom in mind, so grab a cup of coffee and pull up to their table. Assalamualaikum, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Mommy One Muslim Podcast. This is Osma Jaffrey. And this is Zeba Hassan. How are you holding up there, Arizona? I got to throw that out right now. What's up? What's going on with you guys? Nothing. Luckily, those horrible um, motorcades with the illegal mm-hmm. giant flags uh, for Trump and Pence blocking our traffic are not there. Um, I think they have quieted down because maybe they're seeing the writing on the wall. I'm not sure. But yeah, how have you been? Like everybody, waiting on the edge of our seats, you know, (laughs) just thinking about it. I don't know how many times I can watch the same thing. And then 250 votes just came in and we're like, why is this grasping our attention so severely? But, you know, this is democracy working, um, and that's why I do love America, and I'm so proud to be an American today regardless, um, because this shows that our democracy is working. Um, And I I believe our entire, normally we have our little chit-chat, but the reality is both of us have been doing the same thing, right? Doing our mommy duties, sitting and watching whatever news channel that you can possibly do in watching CNN and, and just really focusing on what's going to happen and where the country is going to go from here. So I know you, you guys are definitely in one of the States um, that we're waiting on. I, I keep joking. Cause you know, depending on what news channel outlet you're listening to, Arizona has not been decided as of right now. So let me ask you this. Why didn't you guys go to the polls? Like what the heck is going on? So because of COVID and because of the number of people voting this year, you know, I think what America did um, and just, for for what it's worth, um, I think it seems like we're just jumping in to today and talking about the election because that's really all anybody can talk about right now. Right. Our title today is Denial. Yeah. Is that what we're doing or are we doing a recap? <laughs> because I thought we were just going to talk about non-election stuff and like how your week was, but it sounds like You've only been thinking about yeah. The I haven't done anything else. Like you must. Well, I know you you had a fun way of getting away and like. <laughs> and ex- but though the rest of us that didn't get a chance to like go listen to the the beautiful waves of the beach in Los Angeles. No, sucker, I am just watching this. So yeah, you you can go ahead and give your recap. <laughs> Because I'm pretty sure it's better than mine. Because quite frankly, I've been eating a lot of carbs and then hiding under a blanket and literally watching that stupid ticker, tick, tick, tick. But that's it. So you tell us then, okay, we're going to just start from scratch. You tell us what you've been doing and we can live vicariously through you. Yeah. No, I mean, it wasn't a vacation. I know I posted pictures of myself on the beach escaping from all of this madness that's going on in our country because I knew what was happening. So Tuesday, we arrived at the beach at the places that are normally teeming with life. And it was empty. And it was being barricaded like wood, um, plywood is being put up on storefronts, uh, all up and down Santa Monica Promenade. 
um, because they were expecting looting. And it was obviously empty because people were still at the polls in California, given the time difference between that and the East Coast, right? Um, just by a couple of hours, I think. And so it was completely empty. We were there not for fun or just to get away. Getting away happened to be a very nice side effect, but we were there getting a second opinion on Wednesday at LA Children's with for my daughter. So it was technically a work visit. Um, but with the advantage of my husband said, you know what, let's just go listen to the ocean for a while because there's going to be so much noise all over the country and really all over the world because all eyes are on us right now. So that was great. And, you know, for inquiring minds, we got really good news at LA Children's that, you know, we're on the right track for our daughter and there's nothing more that they can add, which is the best news is the you best can news. get, right? Is that you're already doing everything right for your kid. Thanks for coming, but we can't <laughs> offer you anything. That's that was actually really good for us. So, yeah, coming back obviously on the road, I was doing what you're doing and carving up at any stops oh that God. we made because it was like, okay, now it's time to focus back on our country. I had planned this entire month for Kubler Ross's stages of grief because I thought we would know, we would know very clearly, very quickly within 24 hours of our election what was happening. So. This month is about denial, anger, depression, and grief, and we were going to go through those stages as we came to terms with who our president was inevitably going to be. And now that we don't know, as of this recording, it is November 6th, Friday, um, we don't know yet. And I still think we can record based on those titles. However, I think denial means something a little different more yes. than what we originally planned for. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. And Zeba had already calmed me down so much last week, apparently didn't take her own advice and stress aid <laughs> during the election, but calmed me down a lot. Because what did you say to me last week about the election, Zeba? I said, there's no point in us thinking about it right now, because guess what? It's not going to be decided. And it's, we're going to be waiting for a long time. Exactly. And part of that um, reasoning is because of COVID and because of how a lot of people were you know, decided to go ahead and put in their vote, whether they were in person um, or voting in person or doing the mail-in ballots, which I know you guys did. But I know a lot of people decided to do mail-in ballots, um, including my own in-laws. Like we definitely recommend it because they're elderly, like, and they always vote. We're like, please do vote, but make sure you send it in mail-in ballots. So I do think that this um, election is a little bit unique from that perspective because we do have this um, huge inundation of mail-in ballots, right? Which is what is going on right now, depending on whether or not your state does or accounts for in-person early verse, uh, early voting or mail-in ballots, which is why you saw such a huge um, sway, whether Biden was winning at one point and then all of a sudden the mail-in ballots are coming in and now he's winning or whatever the case may be, depending on what states decide to do it um, in what um, sequence. Um, and a lot of the states that we're waiting on right now, the mail-in ballots are opened and counted after everything else. That's the in-person and that's the in-person early voting. So that's kind of where we are in now. So because I had that 
inclination that there's going to be this huge influx of mail-in ballots, just because I know the Democratic Party was definitely pushing for that. Um, I just had a feeling if they were going to do it properly, which it seems like they are, that those have to be opened and scanned and counted. And guess what? That takes time. So I am not surprised that it's Friday, November 6th, Mm -hmm. and we do not have a president. And, you know, again, record numbers of voters this year. I think it's like over 70 Mm percent of registered voters voted, 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 uh, which is a a record breaker, right? And what I was explaining to some other folks who were, you know, upset about just tell us already, I was like, listen, our population is a lot bigger than it was when we were kids. Mm -hmm. You know, when we were kids, we pretty much knew that night who our president was. So we had fewer people living here. We had fewer people voting, Um, you know, gerrymandering and all of that and voter intimidation. I mean, the 80s was still on the heels of Jim Crow, Mm -hmm. right? And so a lot of Black people did not vote. A lot of people of color did not vote in this country because they had seen, like, you know, when we tried to, they beat us. So they did not. And a lot of voter registration movements, uh, non-partisan uh, movements, mm-hmm. have gotten people registered, gotten people to declare a party. So more numbers means more time. You know, a more populous um voting body means that we do need time to record it. And because of, as Zaba said, the COVID restrictions and people being more careful, they decided not to go in. And in many states, and the ones that we're waiting on right now, the state um, recorder cannot, or the county recorders cannot start counting Mm -hmm. early ballots until election day is over. And the live in-person who showed up at the polls votes are done, are counted first. And then everything else comes. So we're still waiting on provisional ballots. We're still waiting on absentee ballots. A provisional ballot was placed by people who maybe didn't have the right ID, you know, for whatever reason. I'm not sure why I didn't get a ballot, but here I am. And they have to go back and verify that these people are real voters and not dead people as we're being accused of counting absentee people who are gone from their place um, and have sent in a vote that way. And then for, you know, people like myself, early ballot voters who got it like a month, two months, I think mine came in September uh, or late September. And I went and I physically put it in the ballot box early, but it's not going to get counted until around now. Mm -hmm. And that's what's happening in the largest county in my state. Um, But there's people like my mother-in-law who also had an early ballot and was placed in the mailbox. And we have the little alerts. Mm -hmm. I don't know if y'all have them in your states, but you can sign up on your text to say, oh, was my vote counted? Which means, did you receive my envelope? And as of Tuesday, my mother-in-law still hadn't arrived Mm -hmm. or hadn't been counted. So I think it's in the process of. And so that's why we just need to be patient and wait because every vote matters. Every voice matters. And everything that is received needs to be counted, especially those um, mail-in ballots that were postmarked by November 2nd. Those aren't arriving, especially if they're coming internationally, until today or tomorrow. So we don't know. And then we have North Carolina, who's saying that for whatever reason, they might not even get results until November, November 12th. So I feel like all the hullabaloo and all of the stress is unnecessary. And again, Zabo was like, don't worry, there's going to be a bazillion and a half lawsuits to recount and it's going to be contested. (laughs) 
Um, I think you thought it was one-sided. Yes. I was thinking it would come from both Mm -mm. sides. Um, So that's why I figured, okay, enjoy the beach and just stress and, you know, eat carbs because it's fun, not because I I needed to to stress out over the election. But I think there are legitimate reasons for us to have to wait right now. And I'm okay with it. Yeah, because this just tells us the truth of the matter. Like when people say your vote doesn't count, we're down to like in the thousands, right? Where where there's a discrepancy or a difference. Georgia, 1,000 1, Yeah, and so your vote does count. So the reality mm-hmm. is that when people are like, my vote doesn't matter, in, in, in elections like this, your vote counts. And we cannot take it for granted. Like as women, we did not get our right to vote till 100 years ago. And, you know, and I just feel like you'd have, the right and we have in America. in America to do that in America to do that. Yes. Thanks for the clarification. And I stood in line for two and a half hours with a nun behind a 98 year old nun behind me where we were helping her with her chair only to find out that she was voting for Trump. But anyways, I still did what I had to do because it doesn't <laughs> matter which side of the, the, the spectrum you're on, you have the right to exercise your right to vote, and you should definitely do this. So what we're doing right now is watching the democratic process actually work, and we need to have the patience to do this. But I know that we're talking about right now the stages of grief, part one denial, and I know you wrote this. I was probably a little bit more positive than you were, but you wrote this with the thought that, this is going to happen. We're going to have another four years of this, but we're going to be talking about denial for a very different reason. And I have to say, I think both Osman are probably on the same, um, same page as this, but do you, do you want to take on why we're going to be in denial for a very, very different reason? Um, so what you are reading and what you're hearing on the news right now is about, and what you will hear next week when this episode is finally published and inshallah, we will know who our president is. Um, I think what we keep hearing is that Biden flipped this, Biden flipped that, Biden. No, when you have counties where the difference between the two candidates is in the thousands, Mm -hmm. is in the hundreds, where, you know, he's leading by point something percent, for all of those, I'm going to say it, white liberal women, a lot of you are allies, but you think that this is Biden flipping something, that something magical is happening in our country. And I feel like you need to look at why is that difference so narrow? Mm-hmm. Have we been in denial? And I think even I have, thinking that if, if by some miracle something happened and we only had a one-term president, that the majority of human beings that we live with in this country believe that his behavior was bad. And when you have such slim margins, the truth is the majority of people couldn't care less how he behaved and how he literally took the statesman model or the model statesman and obliterated it um, and made it okay to make fun of all kinds of marginalized people, all kinds of institutions in this country that we've held valuable, you know, and I think that white liberal view is, 
you know, it's got these blinders on, you know, it's like you've had tunnel vision that you think our country is somehow getting better. Mm -hmm. I argue that no, it's just exposing the ugliness that has been there all along that you and I have grown up with. Mm -hmm. And we knew was here. But the last four years have brought it to the forefront. And now we're seeing it in numbers, quantified in front of us. What do you think? I normally don't post when one of my friends on Facebook is, you know, posting anything. And and there was one particular meme that I've been seeing consistently that really kind of bothered me. And essentially it was a cartoon cut in fours and it was like a kid in um, cages and um, a couple of other things essentially saying like overnight, miraculously, that stuff is going to stop um, if Biden gets elected. Right. And right. and for people of color, um, for people of a different religion, we all know it doesn't matter whether you have a Democratic president or a Republican president. Some of these things already happen. And and I know this is not a popular thing. Like, I think is Obama, President Obama, like a beautiful orator? Um, does he, is he handsome and looks cute? Yes, absolutely. I'm just going to say that. But some of the problems with ISIS and Syria and all these types of things, if you actually do your research, started with him and under the Democratic, Democratic president. So we know the truth. We know that if Biden becomes, is he better than Trump? Absolutely. Things are not going to miraculously change overnight. And to be in denial, right, of, of the things that happen under even Democratic presidents tells me as a person living here that we're just not going to be able to move forward until we actually understand what's going on. And it doesn't matter whether you're a Democratic or Republican. So for people of color, I'll argue, for Muslim people, you know, when somebody said, well, kids were in cages, yeah, that sucks. But guess what? They were putting Muslim men in cages right before that. So like we already had, right we already had experience of that. And, 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 and I love my, you know, my white, um, sisters like i love what they're trying to do and and i love that they're trying to be um informed of things that are happening but this goes on decades and this is not going to change overnight and the fact that we had such a huge election like this is probably in history one of the largest turnouts that ever happened and the margins are this slim tells me that you don't care that this person did all the things that he did. The first time around, you don't know. You're kind of like, he's a maverick. And by he, I'm talking about, you know, Trump. He's a maverick. Maybe he's gonna say something or do something different. So I can even understand why you might have voted for him the first time around. I can even, I, I don't agree, but I can understand. But knowing what he has done, the hate he has spewed, the mockery of the democracy system that he is doing right now, and you still voted for him, shocks the living bejesus out of me. Have we been in denial this whole time that this is what your neighbors think about you and you're just quietly keeping that to yourself? I just can't understand it, including a third of Muslim voters, a third of Muslim voters. 
voted for him. Oh, we'll save that for next week. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> when we're talking anger, let's talk about that. Sorry. I, I, I'm still in denial. My denial went straight but, to yeah, anger. We're on denial. Can you see my face getting red? My denial went into anger because yeah, I don't no, it understand it. I feel like we need to dismantle the denial because up until now, I was still thinking that, you know, my liberal friends who are not Muslim love me, but one out of three of them have shown on the polls counted so far that that is not true. They probably still suspect me. They probably still believe in some of, you know, some utility of a Muslim ban and of kids in cages. Um, there's probably, you know, there's a reason for those things and those reasons are legitimate. And it makes me wonder, these people who have laughed and cried with me, were they just blessing my heart the whole time? And for those of you who aren't from Texas, bless your heart is a nice way of saying F you politely. And it's said with lots of sugar and lots of blinking of the eyes and looking innocent, but it is a sarcastic way of sticking it to you. And have all of these people who I thought were my real friends, who I thought were my real neighbors, it makes me wonder, like, who amongst them are authentically on the side of morality? And that's what we're arguing, mm -hmm. right? Like, if we're looking for a moral compass for this nation which was the better choice. Yes. And by that, I mean, which one was the lesser evil? Because as we have said, the, Demo Party, the Democratic Party is not a friend to normal people, normal Americans, and certainly not to Muslims. Their international policies, I mean, even under Hillary Clinton, terrible, terrible. And what we will say is that their international intervention was very selectively against Muslims. And so I can see when we talk next week about why some Muslims voted the way that they did. But in the meantime, you know, it, it, it's just, I'm, I'm feeling like from this point forward, I'm going to be suspicious of all of my self-proclaimed allies. Because again, the numbers say that they're not. No, you're a hundred percent right. And I feel like, you know, when I, was carbo loading is how I euphemistically describe it. Um, and hiding under the blanket, it was that, that I was focused on. It was, you say to my face, I'm your friend. I wanna help you. I'm, I'm part of your village. But to your point, a third of those people are not really there like would they say something if my kid you know was out of line for them like and and i voted on how are you treating other members within my community whether or not i have a connection to them they don't have to be muslim they don't have to be in my area they don't have to be in my we all have a right under the basic premise of the constitution right and my thing is, I'm going to vote under those party lines. If someone is talking about, you know, I, whether or not I agree with abortion or not abortion, because we had that conversation a couple weeks ago, I don't believe the government should be involved. I just do not think that they should be involved. And that is where I'm just going to focus on. Like, who is the, I can't even call it a better person because you never know what goes on behind closed doors, but who is going to bring back the decorum of what America means to the world, to the nation? 
that is what I want back. I don't want somebody over there that he's literally crying and tweeting like he's on acid. Like somebody just said he's like on acid, like because he's mad that he's losing. The only reason I'm losing is because the votes are being counted. Yeah, stop counting stop the counting votes. Counting the votes, and that's the point. You that can't doesn't, do that's that. That's not how democracy work. works. And and I have to say, like, who was that? George Bush. Like, I have to say, I, I was yeah. not um, a fan of his. Okay, George Bush Senior. But I I heard a letter. I heard um, something on the the news this morning where he, when Bill Clinton beat him, he left in the Oval Office in the desk a note that says, you know, you're our president. We will have to do, and it was just so gracious. And 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 same thing with George Bush Jr. You know, again, when Obama he wrote this beautiful note saying, "Good for you." There has to be this 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 peace in transition because the American public is looking for you for leader, looking to you for leadership. And I think it is traditional for the outgoing president to leave a letter like this mm-hmm. for the incoming president. Um, and I don't know which uh, president started that tradition. This is from uh, George Bush Sr. Dear Bill, when I walked into this office just now, I felt the same sense of wonder and respect that I felt four years ago. I know you will feel that too. I wish you great happiness here. I never felt the loneliness some presidents have described. There will be very tough times made even more difficult by criticism you may not think is fair. I'm not a very good one to give advice but just don't let the critics discourage you or push you off course. You will be our president when you read this note. I wish you well. I wish your family well. Your success now is our country's success. I am rooting hard for you. Good luck, George. That is presidential. That is decorum. That is good sportsmanship. That is a Republican president writing to a Democratic president who's coming in. And I think it's so important and so poignant. Did I like George Bush Sr.? Heck no. But so here's the thing. I was a Republican. You were diehard Republican. Yes. President of the Republican Students Association. Like I was done with that party, but I was so proud of the way George Bush Sr. conducted the office, Mm -hmm. not how he executed his duties and executed, you know, a bunch of Muslims during the Gulf War. But, you know, I think it's, it's just, this is what we want as an American people. Like you said, a role model, somebody for the world over to look at, not someone who shoves other world leaders out of the way Mm -hmm. at global summits, who like spews hatred at global leaders because those have political and economic consequences for the American people. And I just think that, you know, voting him in showed what a corporate I'm trying to create a word. It's not working. A corporateocracy that we are because capitalism is so much more important to us than democracy and economic philosophies and political ideologies are completely different. And we're mixing them up in this Mm -hmm. country. Like we have been so hell bent on socialism is bad that we decided to vote on that. So afraid of taking care of our neighbor. But for us, voting your conscience means voting in the way God would want us to. And in Islam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, remove all the oppressors. 
you know, do not be an oppressor. It is one of the worst things you can do. And oppression can happen in many ways. You don't have to like put somebody in a cage alone. You can also economically oppress them. Mm -hmm. And that has happened for decades in this country. And we as Muslims on the outside of the process looking in, you know, we don't have just glass ceilings. We've lived in glass cubes because we've been left out of a lot of conversations growing up. And we saw this progressively happen. But, you know, what this process the last four years has done is unlitted the truth of this country, which is that the majority of the people do not vote their conscience because their conscience says it's okay for there to be a 10% that owns everything and that runs everything. You know, we have allowed the smarter people, the richer people, because rich must mean you're smart. Well, I hope the last four years has shown you that that's, <laughs> that's not, not true. Okay. You know, um, we've let this happen. Yeah. How do we undo that? You know, how do we now face this uphill battle of widening the margins, you know, making it very clear what is white and black? what is, you know, okay and not okay in this country. Because, I mean, there's so much work to do, Zeba. And I think people are thinking that this win is it. Yeah, no. Like, we're in the game if it happens. If this win happens, and again, you know, this is a big if. We don't know, we won't know, and we do not know at the time of the recording. It's just the beginning of a process because the last four years for me personally has opened up the Pandora's box about how people are actually thinking, what they're motivated by. We're seeing the dark underbelly of um, some of our neighbors. That's the truth of it. Some of our neighbors, the, the loss of white privilege. Yeah. That's what we're talking about right now. The concept of the, the loss of white privilege. Um, and and the, that's what's at stake, but I don't the, think it's lost. I, I don't know. I, that's, I feel like the motivating factor, this perceived loss of white privilege, like the, the inherent I'm owed something mm -hmm. for being this, you know, and, and somebody else is doing that instead of me. Mm -hmm. and, and the in inability to, I think, adapt to modern mm -hmm. society is really what the issue is, right? Like it's, we know that it's not the loss of white privilege. It's the inability to adapt um, to modern society and that you're just not gonna be owed something because of the color of your skin. And again, we can talk about that at length on another day, but what's going on right now is this is just the beginning of a conversation because we are so wounded as a nation we're going to have PTSD, I think, for the first term of this presidency anyway. And part of that is, oh, you know, and part of that is, <laughs> in my opinion, is to, to, to bring, get other people of color, other people, other I, ideologies. We're too extreme in both sides of the spectrum. And the reality is everybody's in the middle. And I feel like everybody should have a seat at the table and perhaps we should reward that and, and, and exercise the option of, 
being different than everybody else. Like you talk about socialism, but the reality of the situation is 90% of the people don't even actually know what socialism is, what it actually means, what it means for the country. And nobody right. is trying to say right. we're going to be socialist. But what we are trying to say is if I have five pieces, five sandwiches to eat and my neighbor has zero, I should give my neighbor a sandwich so that it's not going to hurt me. I still have four sandwiches, but now he has mm -hmm. one. It's okay. As a Muslim, you have to give that neighbor a sandwich. Literally. So I feel like that's not socialism. So, and I think that socialism mm -hmm. um, has gotten like, you know, a bad term. And you know this, like I was the president of the Republican, you know, Students Association. And uh, I feel like the current Republican Party does not is not what it's not the abraham lincoln's republican party let's just be real about that um and what's going on right now mm -hmm. is this shift in our community and to your point we have to start working together and and where do we how do we do that i don't know i don't have the answer for that but i do know we have to do it because our country has been so divided literally almost 50 50 at this point and we need to fix that. Otherwise, right. we cannot move forward as a community. And I don't know how that's going to work or what that's going to look like in the political process. Um, because, like you said, nothing's going to change overnight. So what is going to be like the most important stuff to overturn? Because if each incoming president just comes and undoes what the last president did, as we saw in the last year, that's that's not progress you know that is just little boys fighting in the sandbox and we don't need little boys throwing poo at each other anymore like that's not the way politics is supposed to work it's supposed to be each president lays a foundation for the next president to have success and i'm saying president and i'm sorry i should say the nation mm -hmm. you know each president lays the groundwork for the nation to succeed with the next president right. okay it should be um so that, that we only be get case. better when we know better we do better yes. like that's what we say here yeah that's what should be happening not i'm gonna hire all of my besties mm -hmm. and make sure that all of my besties make more money follow the trail you know betsy devos has gotten millions of dollars her brother's gotten millions of dollars in the last four years and if you don't follow the money trail and like we said zeba and i are very we know what what's happening with some finances you know not just personally but we know where to look you know nationally what is happening that is a travesty that was not draining the swamp that was jumping into mm -hmm. it and hey let's go to town and have have a, a ball because the general public is not savvy enough to know what is at stake you know and what the political lobbies have done to the integrity of our democracy they have destroyed it you know, we've been talking out of both sides of our mouth. The Democratic Party has been doing it forever. You can't pick and choose, mm -hmm. you know, who you bomb and who you don't. You know, if a tyrant is usurping things from its citizens anywhere, it is our job as the greatest nation on earth. And as the, um, I guess, we used to have a lot of say in the UN. Mm. I don't know if that's the case anymore. In the last four years, it's been so crapped up. You know, we're supposed to intervene. And the last time we made a significant difference and saved Muslims from oppression and from tyranny and concentration camps was during Bosnia. 
that was a hell of a long time ago. And how long have the Uyghurs been suffering? Like we've known about this for so many years. How long has Syria been suffering? We've known about it for so many years. And two different administrations have failed to make a difference. You know, we know one nation that is an occupied territory and just unhoused over 400 families this weekend, you know, but we don't do anything about it because we don't operate from a base of uh, from a moral compass. We do it based on what is good for our bottom line and what makes good publicity. And we can't do that anymore. We really, as a country, need to figure out a way of spreading justice to everybody, spreading prosperity to everybody, not just on our shores, but abroad, because if other countries do better, shoot, we do better too, guys. You know, that's how it works. And if that's socialism, Hey, I'm okay with it, but I get why some people are scared of it because they didn't pay attention in history class, um, or maybe they paid attention too much attention and only hear Lenin when they hear socialism, when they don't know what um, a society that cares about all of its social needs, that cares about Maslow's hierarchy and taking care of people's health care, food, and security. If you could do that, then you could start building political processes on it because people can't see past, I don't have food on my table. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't give me that sandwich, I can't care about your economic policy. I can't care about your healthcare reform. I don't have, my mind is not able to wrap around anything further than my hunger, than my lack of healthcare right now. Can we fix that? And then I will, I will go forward with you. Like I will walk with you and on both sides of the political spectrum, I think we can do that hand in hand if we take care of people's most basic needs. So I see healthcare reform being the first thing and um, undoing our unjust and illegal, internationally illegal um, uh, border policies, what we're doing right now with the cages, but how we're going to reunite over four, 500 children that we have placed in cages, how we're going to reunite them with their families, I have no idea. I'm quiet only because I'm trying to take that all in. Um, it's just a lot and hence, hence the carbo loading on, um, you know, it's just a lot to think about because, you know, we, as the mothers of the next generation, like part of my angst and my stress coming from a mother's perspective is what kind of world am I handing over to my children? Did we give them a world that was better than what we have been given? I cannot say that to be true. And because I cannot say that to be true, I'm just going to keep trying to work internally, um, work on our own families, because the reality of the situation is there's not much we can do right now. We're still in waiting. Um, You know, not be in denial, perhaps start being more aware of where, to your point, following the muddy trails, being more informed, studying history, is history repeating ourselves? Like, what are we going to do? And potentially teaching that to our children so that maybe when they inherit it, they can, you know, fix the brokenness that we gave them. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. But for right now, I'm going to continue being glued to the end of my seat. I am so thankful that Rania is feeling better. Um, We're still waiting for Arizona. Thank you. I'm going to keep waiting for Arizona. 
in Nevada, apparently. Mm -hmm. Who knew Nevada was going to be such a big thing? But all eyes are on Georgia right now. Yeah, but all eyes are on Georgia right now. As Dr. Hoden said last week, um, man proposes, God disposes. So there's really nothing we can Mm -hmm. do except pray for our country, which is what all of us are doing right now. Mm -hmm. And inshallah, may there be good. And, you know, we will continue working on our denial and working on rebuilding trust with our neighbors and our friends um, and do what we do right here, which is let's talk about our POV, our point of view, so that other people can see we're not the enemy. Like, you know, one of the accidental jobs that we're fulfilling through our podcast is giving da'wah or giving information about our religion to people where they're seeing that we're having the same conversations. We have the same concerns that every other American does, more so because our security, not only in this nation, but in this world is at stake. So, you know, if nothing else, make uh, prayer, continue to build bridges and, you know, we'll keep talking and I guess everybody will tune in next week for anger and find out why we're so angry at the very preliminary and I think low-balled number, 35% of Muslim voters in America voted differently than Zeba and I did. <laughs> and uh, we just want to know where that 35% came from. So stay tuned for next week's part two election 2020, which is going to be titled anger, even though we come from a place of non-judgment. So. <laughs> you can be non-judgmental and it. still feeling because I'm trying <laughs> to understand where that point of view is coming from because yes. potentially they can have legitimate reasons. I'm trying to understand where they are. So inshallah, if you are listening to this and you, you want to come and let us know, DM us, private message us on Facebook, because I want to understand where you're coming from. We're not going to out you. No, unless you want to be outed. You know, some people want, some people want to do that, but until next time, inshallah, we're going to get the results sometime within the next 24, 48 hours. So let's just keep um, focusing on our denial and working towards, you know, more accountability and information and go from there. That's all we can do. Until next time, everybody. Assalamualaikum. Assalamualaikum. Thanks again for joining Zeba and Uzma on Momming While Muslim today. Please email us your thoughts or questions and follow us on Facebook and Instagram because this podcast was designed to cater your needs. Make sure you check out the show notes to find the links and resources for this episode. And remember to help a mama out and leave a review of the show as well as to like it on your podcast app of choice because that helps us grow. Tune in next week for another episode of Mommy While Muslim. Assalamu alaikum, everyone.